You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Scott Lunn. Well, good morning, everyone. It's 9.30 and we're going to get started. Uh, thanks to everyone who's joined us for our first South Niagara Conversations series. Uh, joining me is my trusted co-host, Scott Lunn, General Manager of 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Scott, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, Morris. Thanks very much. Fantastic. Beautiful day. beautiful day in the fall. Well, it is a beautiful day. Where I am, uh, there is a gentle snowfall and it's uh, so pretty. I think my goal for the day is to get the dog out for a nice brisk walk. So I'm looking forward to that. I uh, want to give a shout out to our uh, resident uh, tech genius, Brian LaChapelle from B4 Networks, who uh, makes us sound so great. Brian, how are you doing this morning? Fantastic, Dolores. Thank you. Thanks. You know, we can't do this without you. So this series is really about the conversations that we would be having if we were able to all get together. We'd be having these conversations with coworkers around uh, the water cooler, with colleagues uh, at our Business After Five events, but none of those things are happening. So while we're all still in, uh, I guess, isolation, we think it's important to have those conversations and, and to hear what other people are thinking. In fact, we think it's more important than ever. So we're going to get started, um, but I want to let you know that if you want to join in the conversation, uh, you can submit your question or add your comment uh, with the Q&A button um, at the bottom of your screen. So that's for those who've tuned in live uh, to not only hear our podcast, but also uh, so watch. Um, all right. Scott, who do we have with us this morning? All right. Well, thanks, Loris. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, Fort Erie Mayor Wayne Redekop joins us this morning, along with pharmacist Aaron Bogio and longtime community leader Jeff Ryder from Ryder and Riley Insurance Brokers. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Off, uh, thank you. And start things off with a question, uh, and it's one that I think everybody has asked all their friends and relatives uh, in the last, you know, several months at least. Uh, when the when the time comes and you can line up to uh, to get uh, vaccinated, will you be in line? Aaron, I absolutely. See you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think I'll be probably one of the first people in line. I would say. Yes. Yeah, well, I hope if, if you weren't going to, I was concerned. So that's, uh, that's good to know. <laughs> I, I would echo that. Um, you know, there's absolutely no reason why we wouldn't. And I, I grew up in an age when vaccinations were very, very important and really helped to eliminate some of the worst uh, diseases uh, imaginable that had significant um, health impacts and in, in caused death among even children. So, yeah, no, I'm, I and everyone I know is going to certainly be lined up for the vaccinations when they're available. Yeah, I would, I would agree as well. Uh, 100% absolutely. As soon as I'm able, um, I'll be getting it. Uh, my family is all in line as well on board. Um, again, as, as Mayor Redekop said, I don't see any reason why someone wouldn't other than a medical reason. And uh, a doctor may, may um, advise against it in certain, circum certain circumstances. 
But otherwise, you know, I believe not only for myself, but I have a moral obligation to our community and our society to, to get it. And I uh, look at these frontline workers uh, who every day have very sad stories and are working their buns off. And um, I think it's the least I can do. I wish I'd have said that, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's actually a great point. Um, the vaccine is not just for yourself, right? I mean, the point of it is that it's going to save people that are high risk. You know, if, if we can hit a certain herd immunity level, it's going to reduce the chances of, of somebody that can't get the vaccine from getting sick. So um, it's kind of a selfless thing to do. So yeah. I, uh, we were having a little conversation before our conversation and um, you know, my parents are both 80 years old <clears throat> and they're the babies of the family. So all my aunts and uncles are well into their eighties. And um, you, you know, we, we were talking earlier before that one of the things that I miss is just, you know, hugging. And uh, this Christmas was so hard because uh, I didn't hug anyone. I didn't hug my parents. I didn't hug my aunt and uncles. I waved to them, you know, from the door as I dropped off, uh, you know, a Christmas gift. And I want to be vaccinated uh, because I want to get back to hugging my parents and hugging my aunts and uncles. And I, I don't want to put them at risk, but I, I, I need it as much as they need it, if that makes sense. And it's an interesting comment about the herd immunity. You know, we hear some people are saying, well, we'll get to herd immunity and whatever. But think about it. If 70% or more it accomplishes herd immunity, that means over 25 million Canadians are going to have to either have been exposed to and, and had the virus or be vaccinated. And we're miles away from that right now. And I, I think the challenge is for people to appreciate that, yes, the vaccines are here and there will be more coming online, but we're still a long way from the point where we can let down our guard. We, we simply have to continue to follow the public health guidelines in the meantime. Absolutely. Even, even if you have the vaccine. Right. Even if you have the vaccine. So one of the, one of the concerns currently is that until we reach herd immunity, um, we're really not sure if the vaccine will prevent transmission of the, of the virus. So it prevents, like evidence shows it prevents infection or, or like clinical infection, but we're not really sure yet if it will prevent transmission. So someone can still be, someone can still carry the virus without presenting it. And that's probably one of the biggest problems here is that they can still carry the virus without actually presenting any symptoms. So we're not sure yet if the vaccine is going to, I guess, eliminate the virus from the body. You know, it, it could hide latent somewhere, not produce any, any symptoms. But if you go to somebody that hasn't received the vaccine, it's possible you could pass it to them. So we're not quite at a point yet where, you know, we can kind of let our guard down yet. Aaron, is that the same with the flu? With the flu shot? Is it the same? I am not sure. Oh, I, yeah, I would imagine so, um, but I'm, I'm not 100% certain. Uh, it's not unusual to carry different bacteria and viruses on your body at all times. Um, it's just a matter of whether it's actually going to cause an infection for you or not. Um, you know, with, with uh, the COVID virus or the SARS-CoV-2 virus, um, it's, it's actually quite common that people are asymptomatic with you know, when you do a nasal swab, you have no symptoms whatsoever, but you still have the virus in the, in the back of the sinuses. Um, 
So we're not sure if, if that's because it's just a very small amount or if it's just a normal virus that exists on that person kind of thing. So it's, it's really tough to say. Has anybody had the test? Yes. Jeff and Mayor Redekop? Uh, Joy of Joys, yes. <laughs> and, and what was that experience like? I'm, I'm curious because I haven't had it. It's well, not bad. It's not bad? <laughs> it's not that bad. I, I, you know, and I would imagine these uh, people that are being tested regularly must get used to it. It's, yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it could be worse. I mean, I've had worse experiences and it, it doesn't last very long. It's what, what five, 10 seconds? Yeah. Well, they touch your brain if you've got one and tickle the back of your throat. <laughs> yeah. It's a tickling sensation, and the, the nurse likened it to um, getting water up your nose, um, but I didn't even find it that bad. It, but it was tickling. It made my eyes water a little. They said that was good. If your eyes water, they're doing it correctly. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I think it's kind of interesting to note, too, that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, um, that the um, um, flu season has not been uh, as bad as, uh, as it typically is. And, and in my mind, that's because, you know, we're wearing masks, we're not out as much, we're social distancing. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, honestly, uh, just from the pharmacy alone, I haven't had really anybody approach me with any kind of flu, you know, cold symptoms, anything like that, which is good. Because if they came in the pharmacy, I'd probably be pretty upset. But um, yeah, no, really, there has not been right around now where it's, it's really picking up. And I honestly, it's like none. I have like zero questions on a, on a daily basis. So nobody with runny noses, nobody with cough, no, nothing like that. That's good. great. That's good news. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you think it's possible? Um, and I guess in part of this questioning is that the wearing of masks and social distancing will become part of our lives for some time, vaccination aside. And given that, and I, and I guess perhaps to, to you, Mr. Mayor, how do you, how do you keep that messaging going? Well, that's the challenge. And, um, you know, we're now over 10 months into this um, from, from the public's uh, standpoint. And so we've had the messages um, in Fort Erie, we've been trying to freshen the message, change the message, uh, still focus on the basic public health guidelines, but try to do something different. So we've now got a series of uh, personalities, individuals holding up signs and then, you know, just kind of going through a little script to get people's attention, just something different, a little bit more information, a little different information to supplement the, the um, public health guidelines. And so the big challenge is, as we were talking about before, people are social animals. They want to, they want to be together. They want to see each other. They want to touch each other. Um, so this is a, a great challenge. And the good news is that by far, the vast majority of people are doing that. They're doing the best that they can. And uh, those that aren't, I mean, if you haven't got the message yet, um, I, I fear that you may never get the message. Um, and, and, you know, Jeff's comments before were absolutely bang on. This isn't about you. This is about all those people around you. And the fascinating thing for me is that people will put themselves at risk, put those around them at risk, and then rely upon the people that are most at risk, those who are providing the services, those who are in the hospitals, um, trying to help them. They'll, they'll 
I don't know. There, there's just no seems seems to be no connection between what they're doing and how that affects those people that they're relying upon or those around them who are their loved ones. So, um, you know, we just have to keep at it and keep changing the message, keep trying to keep it fresh and keep encouraging people. And, you know, there have been some long-term um, challenges uh, for people. It's, it's easy for someone like me who has a lot of things to keep me occupied. And, you know, I, I, I'm doing that. There's no distinction right now between my personal life and my, and my life as the mayor or my life as a lawyer. It's all just one big blur but at least I've got things to keep me occupied. And so I'm not dwelling upon the fact that I can't go there or I can't see whoever. And there are many, many people that don't have that um, advantage or benefit. And so they're, you know, they're feeling isolated and, and, and it is challenging for sure. That's such a great point. I was having the same conversation with someone just last week and we were talking about how busy we are and we, you know, acknowledge that we're the lucky ones, you know, we're, we're focused on things um, that, that keep us busy. Um, and honestly, if, if I wasn't so focused on things, I, I think I would feel rather overwhelmed um, because you're not having the conversations, you're not having the, the human contact. Um, the news is scary. It's scary. And, um, and I think, you know, Scott and I have talked, um, and one of the conversations that we certainly want to have in this um, series is about mental health and, and how people are coping. And, um, you know, the things that people are doing to, to keep themselves um, focused and, 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 and sane, I guess. It's a very good point. That's why we're encouraging people to, you know, get exercise, get fresh air. I mean, if you, if you can't exercise then open your door and, and, you know, get some fresh air for, for a little while, just, just to try to um, take advantage of, of what's around you, because, you know, we're fortunate. We, we've got continuously changing weather. We've got in Fort Erie in particular, a lot of wildlife that people can, can view. I mean, even if you're inside your own home, but, you know, just getting out and, and we see it. And I'm sure the others who are with us today see that there are, are lots of individuals who are out walking riding a bike, rollerblading, doing whatever to get some fresh air and, and diversion. And, and that's very, very important because you're right. The mental health um, issues uh, are challenging. Yeah, you've, you've probably heard uh, my dog in the background. I, I have her in a different room, but never fails. Every time we get on a Zoom call or, or a podcast of some kind, she loses her mind. <laughs> but she's a puppy. And every day faithfully, uh, she goes out for two walks and uh, I come back refreshed and feeling great. And it sounds so silly because it's such a simple, simple um, thing to do, but it really does become the highlight of my day every single day. And, uh, you know, a year ago, who would have thought that the highlight of my day would be walking my crazy dog? <laughs> and, and, you know, it, a lot of people have um, either purchased dogs or are out walking their dogs a lot more than they used to. And, um, you know, my wife works from home five days a week now. And uh, there are some days where she gets out and just walks down to the mailbox because she hasn't left the house all day. Wow. And, um, and in fact, yesterday, you know, she got out for a run just because, again, the weather was nice and, and she hadn't been out of the house in however many hours so yeah you have to make the effort in some cases especially where people are working from home to get out and get some fresh air and, and we've had a good winter this year really 
for that. So we're lucky. We have been lucky with the weather for sure, for sure. I um I think we, we definitely wanna um, ask you, Mayor Redekop, about the vaccine rollout in Niagara. So there's been some controversy the last few days uh, about the rollout. Um, can you share with us, you know, what, what's been happening? I know that you guys had a meeting uh, last night. Um, what, what's happening with that? When, when can we expect um, the rollout to really start happening? Well, it really starts to happen when we've got the vaccines. Yeah. And, and you know, that's been the challenge. So, you know, um, mm. it's not as if it's just Canada. This is a, this is a challenge. I mean, Pfizer has has reduced its production temporarily so that it can increase its capacity so that it can get out more vaccines. And, um, you know, in the meantime, uh, we've got one other approved vaccine, um, but there are three or four others that are getting closer. And so at such time as we've got the vaccines, then we can really roll this plan out. Now, up until about two weeks ago, there wasn't much of an indication as to what the plan was. And, um, that seems to be sorted out now so that the logistical issues that need to be put in place, you know, locations, once we get past the, you know, the, the long-term care residents, the mental health or the medical health and long-term care workers, uh, frontline workers, once we get into the mass vaccinations, we now are, are putting ourselves in a position where we have the locations. We're now looking at the, the, the human resources necessary to, um, do the inoculations. So that's all moving forward. And, and really, um, it's in place and being put in place until such time as the vaccines are available. And I know people are, are quite anxious about this. Some of them are quite angry. But, um, you know, the reality is, even when we get the vaccines, the number of doses that will be available are still going to mean that it's, it's going to be the end of the summer maybe uh, early fall before everybody is that wants to be inoculated is inoculated. So this is the challenge. People know that people can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but this is a long tunnel. And so they have to be patient while we're waiting. But you know, I'm confident right now that in Niagara, um, everything is, is being put in place. Uh, provincially, I think it's the same thing. So it's really just a matter of having the product to distribute and administer. Do you, do, you, do you think that, in, and I guess, Aaron, uh, do you think as the uh, vaccines show up, and I guess if it's Moderna or, or who knows what else comes forward, whether it's Johnson & Johnson, I guess there's a company in Vancouver that's looking at a, a nasal spray or something. It, do you see a time when uh, you will be distributing like a flu shot scenario, so that to, which will allow for more people to be vaccinated? Or? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I believe the government has already approached our college to look at changing the regulations. So um, pharmacists will be administering the COVID vaccine. Hmm. Uh, my understanding is that it may be as early as March or April that we'll be able to do that. Of, of course, it all depends on the supply. So uh, as we know, Pfizer, Bio, Entech has no uh, or limited capacity right now. But hopefully with the upgrades, they can start pumping these things out you know, like crazy. Um, I mean, we saw what happened with the flu shots and there was limited supply for the demand and that really kind of uh, put a bottleneck on things. So hopefully, I mean, 
um, you know, we're ready. We're ready at our pharmacies to, to administer them. Um, you know, at the peak of the flu season, we were given about 100 to 120 shots a day at each store. So, you know, when you, when you think about that, uh, there's about 4,500 pharmacies in Ontario. They can all sustain that. That's like a million to 2 million shots a, um, a day. Or sorry, uh, yeah, million to 2 million uh, doses a day. I, I wrote these things down, but uh, yeah. So we, uh, it, it's, when you think about that, I mean, pharmacies have the capability to administer a significant supply of vaccines. I like that scenario. I like that scenario far better than, uh, you know, a super center where people go to get their vaccine. Again, you know, I think about my parents. Um, they have a great relationship with their pharmacist. Uh, the pharmacist, you know, knows about their their um, uh, medical history and they would feel far more comfortable um, getting that shot from either their doctor or their pharmacist than they would uh, going to a super center uh, somewhere uh, to get that shot from someone they don't know. So I, I like that scenario and I'm happy to hear that, you know, we might be in that position by, by March or April. That's news to me. So that's, that's, that's good news as far as I'm concerned. That wouldn't work with the Pfizer vaccine, right? Due uh, to storage issues? Not, no, no my, my guess is that it will be with the Moderna vaccine. I'm, I'm not uh, 100% certain, but the Pfizer vaccine requires some pretty extensive storage. Uh, the yeah. Moderna one is not as strict. So, uh, Jeff, I'm curious, like from a, and maybe it's too early to tell, but when something like a pandemic uh, strikes uh, and things like, like this of this nature, will there be a long-term effect from an insurance perspective when it comes to life insurance and benefits and things of like that? Have you ever seen anything like this that, and, and how it would uh, play out long-term? Well, as with a lot of things nowadays, that's, that's still a question. Um, already they're saying that perhaps um, the fallout isn't going to be quite as bad as they initially thought. But the flip side of that is there are some uh, lawsuits on the go already mm -hmm. over coverage issues. And um, uh, those lawsuits are global in nature. Uh, in the UK, there's been um, one in particular that has been settled already that may have ramifications globally, um, certainly in North America. So, uh, and, and that, um, I don't want to speak about it too much because I've only read, you know, the articles in the trade publications, but um, that could have significant ramifications on the industry. Um, and, and I'm talking more on the property side, property insurance side. So it's still, still a question. I think that we're going to see some, um, some businesses that just don't survive this. We, we from our office, have already seen um, perhaps businesses that were maybe just treading water um, have closed. And um, I'm sure there will be more to come. So from that aspect as well, um, you know, there may be a, a temporary uh, blitz or, or not blitz, but a temporary issue down the road um, just from businesses having closed. So, so yeah, it's yet to be seen. Um, you know, I read of issues one day and then the next day I read of, you know, solving those issues or, or that they weren't as big as we had feared. So, but that's like everything, everything at the moment. I, um, I think that, uh, you know, the real fallout will happen in 2021. Uh, I know that we've had this, this conversation at our chamber table, but, you know, certainly there were casualties in 2020, but 
but the government did step up and there were yeah. lots of, of subsidies and grants and, and, and loans uh, that were made available and are still being made available, which is great. I mean, that's what we need right now uh, to get through this. Uh, but I do worry that once that all goes away, Businesses and they have to repay loans. And they have to repay yeah. loans. Um, you know, they just won't be in a position to do that. And I think that's when we'll see the real aftermath of of this pandemic. Um, not not great news, but thought I'd throw that in there <laughs> since we're having the conversation. Well, and and habits change too, right? And so, how will that affect retail shopping and um, restaurants and and so on? Um, because habits do change. Right. And it's not, you know, it's not a switch that you just flip. Okay. You know, uh, we have herd immunity, the vaccine's out. Um, you flip on that switch and, and everything's back to normal. I don't know what, what normal is going to be uh, when we come out of this. And, and you're right. People have formed different habits. Um, I think a lot of people may not feel um, safe right away to go back to the things that they were doing. Um, I can tell you a story about, you know, uh, my own hair salon. Um, after the first lockdown, I, I, of course, went back because I was in desperate need of a haircut and all the other magic that they do on my hair. Um, but, you know, uh, at my hair salon, 40% of, the, of their customers never went back. Uh, that's after the first lockdown. And they didn't go back because some didn't just didn't feel safe. But others um, realized that, um, you know, they, they could work some magic on their own hair at a fraction of the cost and, and they changed their habits. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that um, after this the second lockdown. Well, that just reminded me, Dolores, of some of the shaggy hairdos that I, I've been <laughs> encountering where individuals stopped doing what they would ordinarily do and they've let their hair go. And it's not, um, it's maybe people more my generation and they don't have as much hair as they used to. So it doesn't always look as good as it would have a few <laughs> years ago. But uh, yeah, that's a challenge. And you know, that's another aspect of the people that don't want to follow public health guidelines. They're, they're not doing that connection between what they're doing and the continuation of the, of the virus and the seriousness of it and how it impacts business and the larger implications for business people so that we don't get back to normal until um, people all act responsibly and we can get, we can get to that uh, point where we've got the herd immunity, whether it's through vaccinations or through exposure, but that's a long way off. And when we talk about businesses and, um, and this lockdown, I think, and, and habits changing, I think it's important to reiterate that businesses are still open. Our local businesses are open. And maybe you can't walk in and touch and feel everything, but you can get curbside pickup and you can order from them, um, you, whether it's a restaurant takeout, whether it's uh, the retail <laughs> stores, um, with the exception of maybe some in certain malls that don't have um, the ability to do curbside pickup, uh, the majority are open. And I think it's important for us as local community members to support those businesses instead of just Amazon and, and the big guys. That's a very good point. Yeah, now's the time more than ever, right? If, we, if we're not supporting them now in whatever way we can. Um, I know that before the holidays, we were really encouraging um, community people to, to buy gift certificates, you, you know, um, 
for, for the restaurants, for the hair salons, for the spas, for, for whoever you could support within your community. And we're still encouraging that. Um, if we don't step up now, those businesses just won't be around uh, when this is done. Yeah, we actually, uh, we purchased gift certificates for all of our employees for uh, takeout over the holidays. Yeah, there, there was a few companies that did some pretty unique things. And I know that uh, Brian, um, he's, he's not on right now, but Brian uh, and his company, Before Networks, did something uh, pretty unique as well with, uh, if they're, I, I believe it was, um, if, if their employees went to a local a restaurant for lunch, um, they provided them with a gift certificate or, um, I don't know if I got that right, but they, they did something rather unique as well. And, and so it, those are great stories to hear um, that, that local companies are supporting other local companies to, to get them through, you know, through this tough time. Absolutely. It really, it really does come down to the ability to, to adapt, I think. Unfortunately, not every business can, but for those who have figured out a way to adapt, um, you know, uh, some takeout last night in the, uh, the restaurant that I ordered from had, uh, they, they were pretty excited. They had just managed to have DoorDash, Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats all happening at the same time. And they were experiencing a bit of a, a, an uptick. Uh, and you know, they changed menus. They did a bunch of things to try and, and, uh, and make make things exciting for them. And they were, they were pretty happy with the way things were going. So I think some have managed to adapt, but obviously it doesn't work for every industry. I, I just want to share because I thought it was so cool. Uh, my daughter works for um, uh, a tech company um, that's head office is in Waterloo, but everybody works from home all over the province. And so for their Christmas party this year, it was a uh, similar to what we're doing right now on Zoom. Um, but they sent everybody an Uber Eats um, gift certificate and they ordered from a restaurant. Um, I, I guess they went online and they mapped it out and they ordered, you know, from a restaurant um, close to wherever the individual uh, lived. And my daughter, the day of the Christmas party, so it was a luncheon, uh, received a, a beautiful meal from uh, a local cafe, which is like five minutes from her home. And I thought that was such a great idea that a large company um, would really focus on those local markets and try and, and support them in that way. Um, it made all of the employees feel so good and um, they were still able to enjoy a, a meal together. Um, as strange as it was, um, they were able to do that. So I thought that was another great, uh, great way to, to support. Very innovative, I thought. Mm -hmm. So uh, quick question for you, Jeff, um, when, once we're all able to really go back to our workplaces, do you think that, um, do you think that employers are going to be looking to have their employees vaccinated? Is that something that you think employers are going to be asking about or encouraging or requesting? I would hope so. Um, <laughs> when when the fluke um, uh, vaccine came out this fall, I encouraged all of our staff to go uh, get it. And there is a small uh, independent pharmacy right next to our office. Sorry, Aaron, but um, we just uh, walked over and they took us without an appointment and we got our flu shots. And I did encourage everyone to do it. Obviously, I can't force them to. But um, I and of course, I stepped right up uh, right away and got mine. Um, and yes, when it, when it comes out, I would be encouraging all my staff to, uh, to get it as well and their families. Um, 
again, I think is that's as much as I can do is encourage it. But um, I would also provide education if somebody felt that there was a risk to it. Um, you know, again, aside from them having certain medical issues preventing them from doing it, I would provide the info. The Ontario uh, province of Ontario has a great website that discusses what the vaccine is, the, the different types of vaccines, you know, the old um, saying that, oh, I'm allergic to eggs, I can't have it, that that doesn't, Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've read, that's not even true anymore. So, um, so yeah, with education and encouragement, I would definitely be wanting my, or encouraging my staff to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, same, same from my perspective. Um, I mean, we've already spoken to all of our staff about it. The minute that we get vaccines in the pharmacies, every single one of them is going to be vaccinated if they want it. I mean, I'm not going to force it, of course, but uh, yeah, they'll be first in line um, so that we can continue. My my concern is that if somebody does become infected, I mean, we have to close the pharmacy for a day, get it clean. You know, it's a significant effect on our business and and the patients that come in there on a daily basis so we just can't risk having to close i mean i've heard of pharmacies that have had covid infections and it's a disaster Hmm. so you know we uh we are going to highly encourage all of our staff to be immunized yeah that'd be the same for me i mean it just makes sense um you're trying to protect not only your workers but those around them so um, yeah, I don't think we can force people to get a vaccination, but certainly I think Jeff is bang on on the encouragement and education. Um, you know, anybody that anybody I think that um, takes the time to follow the real science will understand that there's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't, and it's it's a societal um, response to a serious uh, illness. Well, and and as Aaron touched on, if one person within our office doesn't get the vaccine and subsequently gets sick, sure, the rest of us might be protected from getting sick, but we still have to close the office and clean and um, just because of that one person who wouldn't get the vaccine. Right. You know, there's, uh, there's many myths that are kind of circulating about this vaccine currently. Um, and it's upsetting. Um, do you guys have any questions about any of those for me? Uh, I guess I would just, uh, I don't have any uh, personal concerns, but, um, you know, I had the flu shot this year and had a very mild reaction, you know, maybe that's too much information, but I did. And, and I wondered like, so, and not that, I mean, I would not let that prevent me because it was just mild from getting the vaccine, but it, you know, what is the sort of, you know, do I need to be a little more concerned when it comes time? Like a bit of a heads up scenario that, okay, I had a mild reaction to the flu shot. What could happen if I get the vaccine? So the COVID, uh, the COVID vaccine is known for developing a significant immune response, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't develop an immunity unless you develop an immune response. So uh, it is known to cause I would say it's probably worse in terms of uh, how you would feel afterwards. Now it's only for 24 to 48 hours. And I mean, in my opinion, that is a short period to pay for freedom 
Um, so it, it's not unusual for people to get a, a low grade fever, aches and pains, uh, you know, soreness at the site of injection. It's all very common, but if you don't get that, I'd, I'd be concerned that the vaccine is not actually doing anything. And the vaccine is not actually anything to do with the virus itself. It's antigens that create the immunity or the immune response, correct? So your chances of getting the, vi the, the, the virus from the vaccine are, are zero, right? Yeah. So it's the ones that response. are available. Yeah, the ones that are available currently, it's actually not even an actual antigen from the virus. It's actually a genetic code that our body produces the antigen for that. So, and uh, of course there's myths that, oh, this genetic code is gonna be added into your DNA, but it, it's completely impossible. Interesting. Great. Lots of good information uh, today, coming out of today's conversation, gentlemen. Uh, I think, is there, is there any final comments or thoughts? Anybody, I think we're getting close to the end here. So is there any, any final comments anybody would like to make regarding uh, uh, the vaccine and the rollout and cause and effect? Be patient and uh, keep the faith, really. We, we are all in this together and we will all get out of it by um, working together and caring about each other. Uh, I'd, I'd highly suggest everybody get the vaccine, um, but patience is a virtue because it's going to take some time. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll leave it over to you, uh, Dolores, to close things off. But I uh, just personally like to say thanks, uh, Aaron, uh, Mayor Redikoff, and Jeff for uh, your time today. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, that was a, a great conversation. I, I learned a lot. And I uh, just loved having a conversation with other people instead of hanging out with my dog. That's great. Uh, next week, uh, we've got another great conversation planned. Uh, we're going to be joined by our USA colleagues, uh, Corey Schuler, a good friend from the Niagara USA Chamber of Commerce, and also uh, Craig Turner from the World Trade Center Buffalo, Niagara, as well as uh, Kevin Jacoby, who, who many of you uh, certainly know. And we're gonna be comparing the uh, COVID experience on both sides of the border. So it should make for another interesting conversation. Uh, to all of our listeners, um, send us the topics that you're talking about because we wanna talk about them too. So you can uh, just email them to us and uh, we'll certainly take them into consideration. Thanks again for tuning in and uh, hope you all have a wonderful day. And a wonderful weekend. Right. Thank, Thank you. Bye all. Thanks. Take care.